When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Lineup. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 178. It is 2024. The Lineup is back. The world's best surfing is almost back. And a lot has happened in our world this offseason. Before we get to today's conversation, here are three surfing news items for you to keep in mind this week as you sit in your own lineups. The first, the Tudor Nazare Big Wave Challenge ran yesterday, Monday, which is after Mitch and I recorded our episode, but before today's intro recording. The event was won by Pedro Scooby and Lucas Chianca on the team's front, Maya Gabera on the women's front, and Lucas Chianca again on the men's front. Congrats to all of them, and congrats to all the competitors for putting on quite a show. Secondly, and again, something that occurred after Mitch and I recorded last week, otherwise we definitely would have talked about this. Five-time women's world champion Carissa Moore late last week announced she was stepping away from full-time CT competition. The 31-year-old has been in the international surfing spotlight for decades at this point and has been a full-time CT contender since 2010. In addition to her five world titles, Moore collected 27 CT wins in her time amongst the world's best surfers and transformed women's surfing forever. I think in surfing, we fans have a difficult time letting go of our heroes because they mean so much to us. It always feels too soon. And in a way, I think Kelly Slater performing at the highest level of competition for about 35 years has really shifted the Overton window on what we expect from the world's best surfers, when in reality, a decade on tour from a generational talent like Carissa is incredible for us to get to experience and enjoy. And she gave us 13 years of paradigm-shifting performances, and I personally am very grateful. And frankly, there are plenty of surfers, both men and women, that are in similar positions in terms of their time on tour. And it wouldn't surprise me if at the end of 2024, when the dust was settled, we all looked back and went, wow, that, that was a pretty big year for generational shifts amongst the world's best surfers. Carissa will be competing in the upcoming event at Pipeline, as well as later on in the season, having already accepted the WSL wildcard for our CT event in Tahiti. Congratulations once again to Carissa for an incredible career, and we look forward to seeing what she does next in her next chapter. Finally, the world's best surfing is back with the Lexus Pipe Pro presented by Yeti, kicking off the 2024 WSL Championship Tour season on January 29th. The event will stream live on worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app. Do not miss it. All right, episode 178. We are back with my part-time co-host for this season where we get Mitch's on-the-ground insights from the Sambazon World Junior Championships. We cover the off-season movements of the world's best surfers as well as the world's best board builders in advance of the 2024 Visla CT Shaper Rankings race. We answer listener questions and much more. We had a lot of fun on this podcast to kick off 2024. Hope you enjoy it. Please enjoy the lineups conversation with myself and Mitch Salazar. The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? We can shut your f***ing lips. 
And then I'll just say, put them up once, let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave, get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. It's out of your boxes. All right, we are back with the lineup podcast for 2024. I'm Dave Prodan, and I am honored to be rejoined by my part-time co-host from last season. It went so well. We get to have him back this year. The Mitchell Salazar. And Mitch, just like that, the 2024 WSL Championship Tour season is upon us once again. First things first, though, how was your holiday break? What did you get up to? Did you just stay in Southern California? Did you travel? Did you get some waves? What was it like? Well, Dave, uh, happy holidays and happy new year uh, to you as well. Um, actually didn't really travel that much, which was nice. It was refreshing because I had a real, real busy back end of the year. Um, I was supposed to go back home to Mexico. Wasn't able to make that happen because, as you know, we just had a major event happen in San Diego over the course of the last week. And talking about the Amazon World Junior Championships hosted by Best Western, talent is unbelie- unbelievable in the junior rankings, Dave, and just as you know, it's been a huge breakthrough since it first started in 1998. And now in 2024, the level has really risen. And I think we're going to see a lot of these young surfers that competed at this event last week on the championship tour within the next two or three years. I love that you brought that up because you were obviously on the ground commentating for the Sambazon World Junior Championships hosted by Best Western. It was at Oceanside this year. The WJCs has been one of my favorite events since even before I worked at the ASP. It's an event that it's always styled itself um, correctly, in my opinion, as the most prestigious junior event on the planet. And the past winners list bears that out. Like It's a laundry list of men and women who have made a real impact on the sport. You've got Andy Irons, Joel Parkinson, Jesse Miley Dyer, Adriano D'Souza, Sally Fitzgibbons, Jordy Smith, Laura Enever, Gabriel Medina, Ethan Ewing, Isabella Nichols, and on and on and on. And this year's winners, Sierra Kerr and Jet Schilling, very worthy additions to that prestigious list. But being on the ground there, Mitch, what are some of your field notes? What did you notice about this up-and-coming crop of, of global junior surfers? Um, what did you see that maybe we didn't see through the broadcast? Well, I think uh, first thing you know that stood out the most is that I would say around half of these surfers were on the Challenger Series last year, which goes to show mm-hmm. you that a lot of the people that are qualifying through the regions, or as Jarvis Earl did last year through his breakthrough win at Seaside Reef, winning the World Junior Championship right there is that he earned himself a spot onto the Challenger Series for 2023. He wasn't able to do so in 24 right here, but I mean, that just goes to show you that the small level that we have on the Challenger Series, which is obviously very huge when it comes to competitiveness, is very young. And this youth Hmm. has not only gotten onto the Championship Tour last year with Kata Madsen, who was in the event, in 2023 over at Seaside Reef, Eli Hanneman was a semifinalist. And of course, have to give major props to one kid that I thought surfed great throughout the entire event, Levi Slauson, who is a former runner-up and who's a former Challenger Series surfer too. So to me, first things first, Jet Chilling getting his first breakthrough win. Um, the one guy out of that friend group that didn't qualify for the CT last year is 15th on the Challenger Series Everybody thinks that he has what it takes to make it to the CT, and I feel like he does too. Maybe one of the smaller ones, but if you look at what Griffin Colopinto's done over his six years on the championship tour, he's not a very big guy either. So I feel like after a good start at the Lexus Pipe Pro presented by Yeti, these are some of the surfers that we could potentially be seeing in the top 15 or even in the top 10 at the end of the season. It's a good point you bring up. And and with Jed in particular, you mentioned so many of these surfers competing at the World Junior Championships this year. Many of them had runs on the Challenger Series last season. And, And that is obviously, in addition to being added to that prestigious list of past winners, a huge carrot for the finalists is if they haven't qualified for that CS level through their own regional qualifying series, making the finals at the World Junior Championships bumps them straight to the Challenger Series. And that is a huge advantage to them. And with Jet in particular, I I was actually unaware that he was still of junior age just because he was a part of that 2% San Clemente group. And I do have to call out like a little bit of a walk back from maybe one of my predictions earlier in 2023 is obviously San Clemente is home to so much talent. We have lower trestles. You got a number of beach breaks. It has decades of world-class surfers coming out of that town. 
and they were, you know, trying to brand themselves. I think at one point it was the San Clemente Cyclone, and then you know the two percent crew, etc. Sort of as a response to the Brazilian storm that's been so dominant at the elite level over the last few years. And I kind of didn't see it. I said, you know, these are really good surfers. I don't know if the motivation's there, but between their real domination on the Challenger Series last year, qualifying and mass on both the men's and women's side, and then Jet adding his name to the World Juniors. That town has had a huge come up in the last 18 months, and, and it is really impressive. And Jet, in particular, is someone that seems like he has all the tools, like even watching him on the Challenger Series last year. He's, he's fast, he's progressive, he's got power, even if he is sort of a smaller-framed guy. Um, but he seems super driven, he seems super fit, and interestingly enough, just re-signed with the emerging brand Tenore. You know, Pat Tenore has started a brand after leaving Ruka. Um, didn't take long for Tenore to get their first world title with Jet. Well, that and I also think that he was missing that extra little piece of motivation, Dave, given mm. that his friends were able to do so well. And I really want to make something very clear. He was there until the very end when his best friends qualified for the CT in Sakurema too. The guy could have left, lost out kind of midway through the event right there at the last Challenger Series event. He stuck with them till the very end. And I think that was a big part of them also doing super well leading up into those final two days of competition where all of them qualified. Um, another thing that I feel that Jet has really hasn't surpassed yet, Dave, is that if you look at his mm -hmm. results on the Challenger Series last year, third place finished to start off the year at Snapper Rocks, a place where goofy footers tend to really struggle. And the two places where I thought he was going to do best, Bolito and at the U.S. Open, he didn't really have his best results. Got a ninth place at the U.S. Open. I was expecting him to make it into finals day, maybe even be in the conversation for a champion right there. But I feel like mm. this year could potentially be that one. It's all about consistency for him. And I also think it's a big attribute to the seven different regions that we had worldwide to be able to push a lot of these young surfers, especially in their later years in the junior series, to get a first major victory like this one. It's very cool. And I think that's a good thing you point out, too, is for sure, globally, there's a ton of amateur junior events. There's the WSL's Pro Junior Series, those are regional series. And then junior surfers, 20 and under, uh, compete on those series to qualify for a spot at the World Junior Championships, which really lends itself to the, the prestige of the event, because these are not just the best junior surfers in your region. These are the best junior surfers on the planet. And to your point, for someone like Jet to come in, deliver, and perform under that kind of pressure, it bodes really well for his prospects uh, throughout the year. Yeah. And on the women's side, it was uh, the youngster, Sierra Kerr, who looked pretty undeniable on the broadcast. But what was it like in person watching her take on that international field? It was even scarier, Dave. I mean, she mm -hmm. was just lights out all event long, didn't lose a single heat, and came out with a real determination on the final against Zoe Benedetto, who was a very consistent surfer in the event. Somebody that was on the CS last year, Benedetto, she got a third place finish in Edisado, the second to last event on the on the CS schedule. And Sierra Kerr, just undeniably the best surfer throughout the entire event. I'd even say she would have probably beaten a lot of the men too. But 16 years of age, dominating the way she did, Dave. And I mean, she saved the very best for last two, went up into the 17 point category, which is already two excellent scores but dropped a nine underneath Zoe's priority too, which I think at a beach break like Oceanside can be very difficult to do, but that's just how good she was. And the judges really had to reward a lot of that progressive surfing that we saw on rail with the young surfer out of the Gold Coast. Yeah, and I guess this is like, what's the thing going around on social media? Like, I'm old enough to remember when, and now that I'm starting my 19th year at the ASP WSL, I'm old enough to remember when I was in rookie orientation with Sarah's dad, Josh, on the CT in Australia years and years ago. And I think it, I think it's worth mentioning, you know, Josh was an awesome free surfer, absolutely dominated the, the airshow series in the late 90s and the early 2000s, but was an amazing tube rider and, and so, so talented, qualified for the championship tour, not once, not twice, but three times, if I remember correctly, made a ton of impact there, has won big wave events in, in Toto Santos, was one of the, the founding members of the Red Bull Airborne series yep. that went for a number of years. 
still to this day seems like he's surfing better than he ever has he surfs on the album surfboards matt parker sort of alternative performance shapes but looks incredible and in addition to all of that i think he's also a successful businessman and also just seems to be a hell of a parent um he's, he's raised <laughs> sierra and in addition to her being so dominant in Oceanside, you know, she's got films coming out. She's world traveled. She's spent so much time in Indonesia and Australia and California. She's she charges. She can get barreled. It, it is she has to be one of the most exciting prospects coming out of uh, junior women surfing right now. No doubt. No doubt. And you mentioned the word legacy, too. That's what this whole mm. event is about. And whether you're a second generation professional surfer like Sierra is to her father, Josh, look at the consistency that she's brought to in her first two right. years. She was only 15 when she competed last time at Seaside Reef. And it was huge. A lot of people didn't expect her to do that well on the back end. made it to the semifinals right there. Now wins the event right there in one of her adopted hometowns of San Diego, too, which I think is superb when you look at the amount of pressure that she had to go through and a lot of people's expectations on her shoulders. But this event has provided major careers for a lot of people that have won, but also for the people that have just made it to finals day or being the runner-up. 2005, mm -hmm. Kekova Kalsa beats Michelle Burez in the final. Jesse Miley Dyer, the first world junior champion on the women's side. Look at where she is right now. She's chief of sport for the company. And I also want to really recall what Bianca Butendog was able to do in 2012, made it all the way to the Olympics, got a silver medal there. She was the runner-up to Nikki Van Dyke in 2012. And even most recently, mm. against Ethan Ewing, Griffin Colapinto made that final, and he finished number three on the championship tour. So this event right here, major for Sierra. Um, it was a big introduction for a lot of the big world to really see what she's able to showcase in terms of her skills in the water. And just like her dad, Josh, she was able to surf within a criteria that doesn't necessarily guarantee to make her surf the best. If you look at Josh's mm. best attributes, Barrel Rider, as you mentioned, loves hunting slabs, but his airs and his progression were really the thing that made him stand out. Sierra knows when to tone it down, but then when to elevate it again, Dave. And I feel like we saw mm. that, especially in the final with that nine-point ride that she had. Big time. Well, congratulations to Jet and Sierra. You know, Mitch, before we move on, any other field notes from you in terms of maybe surfers we haven't mentioned that maybe they didn't make the final, but they made an impact down there? Yeah, uh, Anel Gonzalez at Tawari, one of the two sisters, the younger one, 16 years of age. She gets a fifth place finish here, loses a very close seed in the second to last day. You're up in real good hands. They had Sam Peter make it pretty far in the event. He lost to Jet Schilling. Great surfer coming out of France. He's only 20. Probably going to see him on the Challenger season. Leo Casal, he was on the CS last year. He got third at this event. Mm. Major props to him. He surfed great. And I also really, really want to thank uh, the performances that we saw from Levi Slauson and Joel Vaughn. Wow. That was just amazing stuff that we saw from Joel Vaughn. He went ballistic in one heat. We saw a 9.1. We saw a 9.43. And he was thrown away an 8.17 for a major single turn, which is not normally something that you're going to see at a major event like this. Getting an eight for just one turn, speed, power, flow was included. This kid's the real deal. We're going to see him on the CS again this year. Such a good point, too. You know, And, and I think that one of maybe the intangible benefits of, of maybe not getting a result at an event like the World Junior Championships, but performing in that fashion, is that you have CS and CT judges. That's the caliber of judges that are there at the World Junior Championships because it is such an important event. Not only are they getting the benefit of understanding that you are capable of achieving excellent scoring rides, mm -hmm. you as a young surfer know that you can do that in front of that kind of a panel. And that carries, right? That carries and it gives you that kind of confidence when you move up to the next level, when you move up to the level after that where you're going... I'm not just hanging on. I, I can thrive here. And even if I didn't get the result I wanted, I know I can surf at a level where that result's going to come. A hundred percent. And uh, to another note too, Dave, when you started at the ASP, now the World Surf League, there weren't a lot of major broadcasts for these events. Now mm. they actually have the virtue of having a broadcast for their event, getting more eyes on them, people getting recognition. And next thing you know, a lot of the surfers that you saw at your favorite smaller event are making it to the championship tour. And I feel like that's the whole purpose of this, giving them an opportunity, get some more eyeballs on them, and then they're going to make it to the, to the big step afterwards.
Awesome. Well, congratulations once again to all the World Junior uh, Championship qualified surfers. That's a huge achievement in and of itself. But special congrats to Sierra Kerr and Jet Schilling, our newly minted WSL World Junior Championships. Thanks again to Sam Bazan and Best Western, as well as the community at San Diego in Oceanside for hosting us. We're going to take a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we are back. This is the Lineup Podcast. I'm Dave Proden here with Mitchell Salazar. And as we teed up at the very beginning of this episode, the window for the 2024 Lexus Pipe Pro presented by Yeti opens on January 9th. So it's time to talk about the 2024 season and in particular, the second season of the Visla CT Shaper Rankings. Shaper so it's in its sophomore year. We had our, our first year last year. It was pretty awesome. It's pretty fun to talk about with you, Mitch, on the podcast. Um, for listeners who have not heard about this or who need a little bit of a refresher, we are doing a Shaper Rankings with Vistla support uh, this year again. And the Shaper Rankings is a combined men's and women's ranking that counts all the results, quarterfinals or better, and allocates those results to whoever's board that surfer was surfing on to get that result. And then we do a, a ranking for every event, and then we do a ranking at the end of the year. Um, at the end of the year, the the number one program is uh, awarded the Visla CT Shaper of the Year Award. Um, and last year, that program was gifted an overnight stay and surf at Surf Ranch Lemoore. I'm, I'm pleased to announce that that is the case again this year. So there's uh, more than just bragging rights on the line. But Mitch, you know, where we left off in 2023, we, we determined the winner following the completion of the regular championship tour season in Tahiti. Um, it was Matt Biolas at Lost Surfboards. And then we had the finals and pretty interesting in how the results at the finals for the surfers and the boards that they were riding really mirrored those top five that finished the regular season. Truly did, Dave. And if you look at what Matt Biolas was able to do just right there at home in San Clemente, he had the number one and two in the world on the women's side. He had number three in the world in Griffin Colapinto on the men's side. And then Sharpie 
just right behind them again in second place. They had the men's world champion in Felipe Toledo, and they had a fifth place finisher in Jack Robinson. Big props to DHD. And he was definitely one of the people that were more invested into this program, Darren Hanley. He ended up in third place and kind of the same situation at the finals. He had the runner up to the world championship and Ethan Ewing, who, by the way, might be one of the favorites to win the world championship this year. And also fifth mm. place with Molly Picklem in that event. Paisel had one surfer, number three in the world, Tyler Wright. Joao Shianka, number four in the world with Channel Islands. And of course, a very respectable finish at the Rip Curl WSL Finals also for Caitlin Simmers and Chris Borson. You know, we talked about those kind of smaller shapers and the underrated ones. We got a couple on tour this year again. Chris Bors with Caitlin Simmers. Also got to mm-hmm. give a big shout out to Johnny Cabianca and the three-time world champion, Gay Medina, who is coming out with a vengeance this year in 24. It's a great point. And, and, you know, we, we, we work with these shaping programs, both on how we're doing the rankings in season. And also if we're going to update anything after the season, after uh, the rip curl WSL finals concluded last year, we had a ton of feedback from the, the global community of shapers that participate in this and asked, Hey, well, should we update this? Should we update that? And, and the consensus was no, everything felt pretty good. It felt like a pretty accurate reflection of which board builders, the world's best surfers were elected to ride and then beyond that which of the world's best surfers were actually performing on those boards so heading into 2024 same rules as last year it's going to be a combined men's and women's ranking we're going to be counting quarterfinals or better results and we're going to be running it from ct1 at pipeline through ct9 in fiji determining the 2024 visla ct shaper of the year following the conclusion of the Fijian event. There are some pretty big shakeups though um, between last year and this year, just in terms of how the teams lined up. And and we had a couple of signings and acquisitions that balanced things out, but also we had the Challenger Series class uh, qualify um, in Sakurama. And and Mitch, just looking at the CS class qualifiers, you know, how does that break down amongst the board builders on tour and, and who really benefits from, from getting a little bit more talent added to their roster ahead of the 2024 CT season? Well, I think Channel Lions is going to have a big boost. Um, Baron Mamiya signing with them is obviously huge. I think the addition of Alyssa Spencer, a true freshman on the women's tour, is going to be major for them too. Dave, we've been talking about it for years now and Jason Stevenson, who was probably at the top of the pinnacle of board building mm-hmm. for years with Andy, Bruce, Joel, you name it, even Aki was on his team. Not to say that he had a major downfall, but he wasn't really even recognized as one of those top dogs anymore. He got a major signing during the offseason this year. And Miguel Pupo, number six in the world in 22, opens up a major market for him in Brazil. And I think that is a huge addition to the Vizzo CT Shaper rankings, given they still don't have a ton of surfers. I mean, just going through to the men's side, they only have two with Ryan Callanan and Miggy. Don't know what the situation is yet with Sam, his younger brother. But on the women's side, I mean, they got a couple of great surfers too. And I feel like if you look at what most of them are able to do, especially in the first five events, I would think that they're going to garner enough points to make a top 10, maybe even a top five run in the Vizzle CT Shaper rankings at the end of 24. It'll be really interesting. I'm glad you brought up team size because as we said last year, you know, we're really excited about the Vizsla CT Shaper rankings because it's an opportunity to celebrate every single shaper that supports the CT surfers. But we're also not pretending it's an apples to apples situation <laughs> here. There, there really are kind of three distinct tiers when you look at the program sizes and, and, you know, a better apples to apples comparison in 2024 is to look at, you know, lost versus DHD versus sharp eye, yep. where it's, you know, 11 lost team riders, eight DHD team riders and eight sharp eyes riders. As opposed to something like, well, Lost versus Timmy Patterson. Right now, Timmy Patterson has 2019 world champion Italo Ferreira on the team, and that's it. And that works for that program, and that's awesome. But it's a little bit unfair to be like, well, you know, Lost is beating the crap out of Patterson. (laughs) That's not exactly true. But the reason I like our formula, and I think the reason that the shaping community supports the way we ran it last year, 
is because that quarterfinals or better ruling makes it not a participation trophy. You still have to turn up and perform, and those are results of impact. But at the same time, I like that we are avoiding the idea of like limiting the number of surfers for each program. Like, if we've done like, well, it's your two best surfers, because by not doing that, that still includes the agency of the world's best surfers to choose who they ride for. Exactly. And I think that's a big deal. Like they're, these surfers can surf for pretty much any board company and they're electing to go to these certain programs because it fits them best. And I, I like that that's reflected in the rankings as well. Because it's a combined ranking, you know, we saw something last year in Sharp Eye that probably started the season in the driver's seat. They had a huge team and they performed throughout the year. They had an amazing run, specifically on the men's side. Unfortunately for them, Joanne DeFay was injured earlier in the year, so she didn't participate. She's a pretty consistent performer. And then Tatiana Weston Webb had for her what could be considered a bit of a down year, right? Yep. And so I think having Joanne back and hopefully having a, a, a bounce back year from Tatiana will balance it out for them. But it's been interesting seeing some of the moving pieces in between last year and this year. Has there been anything else that you've noticed on the, the board building programs? You know, Mayhem, we, we talked about, and I'm glad that you brought that topic up because they're electing to ride these boards. It's not like somebody's forcing them or next thing you know, it's like throwing a ton of cash. No, it's like you're doing board building. When you sign a deal with a shaper, for the most part, you're just getting free boards. That's it. You're either on a trader program and then people are like, oh, why am I not on the team? Dude, a lot of surfers on the CT and the Challenger Series alike still pay partially for their boards. So it's not like yeah. everybody's getting them for free. But I want to point out that Mayhem, they made a huge addition with all the kids from the U.S. qualifying. Matson, hmm. Auschmann, Hanneman back on tour. E. Michaelani DeVault is going to bring some major points for Channel Islands. But... Same thing, Dave. They need to make it after the cut to really be able to give their team those valuable points. On the women's side, I think both Joanne and and Tati have a lot of catching up to do. But despite the injuries from Joanne DeFay, she still finished even higher in the rankings than Tati Weston Webb. She was seventh mm. in comparison to the ninth, which is kind of crazy given that Tati was runner-up to the World Championship just a few years ago. I feel like both of them should have a major bounce back here. And if you look at the way that Joanne DeFay competes, I feel like she's one of the bigger threats over at the Hawaiian Lake, both at the Lexus Pipe Pro and at Sunset Beach. Totally agree with you. So uh, we're going to put ourselves on the spot here um, before the season starts. Um, as I said, there's probably three major tiers when you're looking at the way the team programs um, are built out now. If you're looking at this list right now, Mitch, who do you think is going to be the 2024 Visla CT Shaper of the Year? It's hard for me to go against Matt Biolas and Mayhem again. Um, you know, I, I went through the list again. JS, they got Fred, they got both Poopo brothers, they got Ryan Callanan. That's a strong team. And we always talk about how good Ryan Callanan and that he really, he really mm -hmm. hasn't risen to that occasion where you feel like he's a top five surfer. I think they're a sneaker. I think they're going to be in the top five at the end of the year. I still put Mayhem over both Sharp Eye and Channel Islands just because of the depth. And I think people are going to be really amazed given what those kids are going to do in the first few events. I think Cole Hausman is going to have a great year. To me, he's the rookie of the year in 24. I think Eli Hanneman is, is an underrated surfer just due to his size. And I also think that Cade Matson should have a breakthrough one. But don't forget about Crosby Colopinto. Kid has grown up on the CT, traveling with his brother. I think the first two events over in Hawaii are two great events for him. It's a great pick, and it's uh, it's hard to deny it. Like I think what we said in the first uh, segment of the podcast, you know, that San Clemente group and that two percent group, many of whom uh, ride lost surfboards, um, also out of San Clemente, yep. that really benefited their numbers heading into the twenty twenty four season, and also just the function of us having these rankings. Like you know, uh, it doesn't shock me that they've got the lion's share of the the talent on their program to start the season because that program performed so so well last year but i guess it, it just to be a devil's advocate on it i really like the way the dhd team looks you know you've got molly picklam who was lights out last year you've got stephanie gilmore who's an eight-time world champion you got ethan ewing who finished runner-up and has kind of established himself as the surfer surfer um 
great uh, title threat this year. And then yep. you've got these performers in, you know, Connor O'Leary, Liam O'Brien, Callum Robson, all of whom have proven they can get results at the elite level. You've got Isabella Nichols coming back. She's gotten results at the CT level. And then the true rookie, Jacob Wilcox yep. out of Western Australia. It's a pretty exciting team and I can see them doing a lot of damage starting in Hawaii. So, so here's my debate with you, and I actually think it was a great pick on your behalf. I just looked through the list again. I like that team a lot. But let me go through the women, because I think that's really where we saw last year that Mayhem was able to break away, Dave. Sorry, Limblad, a true freshman on the CT, did great, won a CS event last year at the U.S. Open, was undeniably one of the best surfers throughout the entire year. Caroline Marks, defending world champion. Carissa Moore, runner-up to the world championship last year. Gabby Bryan, she's finished in the top 10 every single year. Now, deviate towards DHD. Molly Picklin, top five surfer. Steph Gilmore, maybe the greatest surfer of all time on the women's side. And then you also have the one wild card, Isabella Nichols. How do they compare to each other? How do they rate against each other? That, to me, is where these shapers are going to win the rankings once again. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, congratulations once again to Matt Biolas and Lost Surfboards out of San Clemente for claiming the 2023 CT Shaper of the Year title. It's going to be really exciting to see how things shake up in Hawaii. And, and also, which was a big storyline last year, while we have a directional idea of who is on these teams to start the year, things are always changing. And even in Hawaii, you may see people pulling out Arakawas, Pangs, Takoros to suit those conditions. And and in the event that they get a result on those boards, those are the shapers that get those results. Yep. So it's going to be really exciting at the upcoming uh, Lexus Pipe Pro presented by Yeti. And uh, yeah, thank you again to Visla for supporting the CT Shaper rankings and good luck to all the, uh, the global board builders out there. We'll see how it goes this year. We're going to take one more quick break and uh, we will be right back. Manduka was founded in 1997 with the simple idea that a better yoga mat could make a world of difference. For generations, Manduka has revolutionized the yoga space by providing purposely crafted products that enable a more joyful practice, whatever that looks like for you. The collaboration between Manduka and Jerry Lopez honors Jerry's profound dedication to both surfing and yoga disciplines. The limited edition collection showcases Jerry's signature camouflage print inspired by his surfboards. It fuses his iconic surf style with Manduka's commitment to quality and sustainability, offering everyone a unique expression of their practice. We all know that having the right gear is essential and a yoga mat is no different. Feel the benefits of yoga with Manduka's soulfully engineered, eco-friendly products designed to inspire your practice wherever you go. The Manduka and Jerry Lopez collection want to inspire you to practice yoga however you choose to. And from now until June 10th, you will get 15% off of all products when you visit manduka.com with the code THELINEUP15. That's manduka.com, code THELINEUP1515. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Lineup Podcast. I'm your part-time co-host, Mitchell Salazar, and that is the one and only Dave Proda. And Dave, we got our listener question segment coming up. Once again, thanks to everybody writing to at the Lineup Pod. And remember, if we don't get to your question today, we'll try our best to get it on our next episode. We do always respond in the DMs, though. So send us your questions. And let's start off with our first one for today's episode, Dave, at Dave Cromo. How does this current breed of juniors differ from the, their junior counterparts a decade ago? So, what, 2013, we, we'd say? Because this year was the crowning of the 2023 World Junior Champions? Right, right. Yeah, it, it's a good question. Um, I, I'd be more interested in, in your notes, Mitch, since you probably saw a lot more of it in and around the event as well. I mean, 10 years ago... I'll, I'll back up. I, I mean, for a good chunk of time, I think it was almost 10 years in the late 90s, early 2000s, this event was same time of year. It was in January. It was the first week of the year. And it was at North Narrabeen in New South Wales mm -hmm. in, in um, 
in uh, in Australia, and it was really consistent. So super high performance wave. We've had it on the CT. We've had it on the CS. Super fun, and. You know, I think the similarity is the prestige. You know, if you take a look at those names that won it, like Andy Irons, Joel Parkinson, Pedro Henrique, Adriana D'Souza, Kako Bacalsa, Jesse Miley Dyer, in those first 10 years, again, they all went on to make a real impact at the elite level of surfing, uh, both inside and outside of competition. And I think that really carried, even though the venue is switching up. We went from having, you know, multiple World Junior uh, Championship events. You know, Karamas was on there at one point. Burley Heads was on there at one point. We were in Taiwan at one point. And in 2013, um, someone named Gabriel Medina won it, you know, a year before he won the actual title. And Gabe is someone who came onto the CT, qualified for the CT at the mid-year rotation during the 2011 year. He immediately won three out of the first five events on, on tour, which is insane. Um, and so he was still on tour. And I think what you said before about a lot of the World Junior Championship surfers at this year's event were on the CS last year, especially the ones that were dominant. And I think there is something to that. I think the surfers that perform in this event, they have that experience at the upper levels, whether it's the Challenger Series level or in some cases the Championship Tour level. Um, and I think what that gives them is even on the broadcast, there is such an element of speed and power that doesn't always translate um, to the broadcast as it is in real life, right? And I think when you go up a level in any sport, that's always the thing you hear, right? Like number one drafted, you know, uh, NCAA quarterback ends up in the NFL, and the only comment is the speed's too fast, the speed of the game is too fast. I haven't, I haven't got the speed of my game up. And I think that applies in almost any sport, absolutely in surfing. So I think a lot of those surfers, the similarity is they have that experience at, at the, in some cases, the most upper level of competition. And when they come back down to their own level um, with their own peers, they're just that much stronger. Um, as far as differences go, I just think surfers today, they're considerably more motivated, right? Um, sponsorship is probably not as easy as it is to um, get in 2024 as it was 10 years ago. They understand how important these events are. They understand the platform that these events provide them. They understand what that means to their own careers and their own opportunities. And I just think they're incredibly well-rounded. You know, I don't think there's a ton of specialists that can come in and perform at the World Junior Championships. Um, I think they're very good in the tube. I think they're very good in the air. I think they're very good technically, and I think they kind of have to be if they're gonna if they're gonna have that um, achievement on their record as well. But you know, Mitch, you were down there. What, what what have you noticed with this current crop of juniors that feels different to to past generations? Well, first things first. Uh, 2013. That's my generation right there. I'm six months younger than Gabe. I, I competed in the same events as all those guys. Ramsey Bukiam was the runner-up in 2013 to Gabe. And I feel like this, I said it on the broadcast many times, this was always my favorite event to watch growing up. I started surfing in 2007. The next year, Kai Barger wins the World Junior Championship over Jadson Andre, who's had a long and really historic career on the, on the CT. Tanner Gadowski. Oh, quick, quick, quick note on Kai Barger, though. Quick note on Kai Barger and Keiko Bacalso were not actually officially qualified for the Hawaii region entering into the World Junior Championships. They both got in because one of the surfers that was supposed to go from their region got hurt. Wow. So for all the young surfers out there that feel bummed they maybe missed out or maybe don't feel like they're up to it, both Kai and Keikoa got into the event and winning that event, it changed their whole career. It's awesome. Sorry to interrupt. I no, just no, to okay. that the out there. ASP days, Dave. ASPs. I, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> the only window of time I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think like it's such a good point you bring up because you don't necessarily have to win your region. You don't necessarily have to be somebody that qualified through the juniors. Dude, Zoe Benedetto has barely done any junior events before. She was runner up at the event because she's still under the age limit, still has actually two full years on the junior tour if she would decide to pursue that. But that's one thing that I've seen a lot more than we did 10, 15 years ago. We're seeing a lot more younger surfers tackle both the QS and the Challenger Series at a younger age. 
And I'm so happy that we brought the age back up to 20 rather than 18 mm. than it was a few years ago in the junior series. You're not fully mature yet when you're just 17, 18. You don't try to qualify right. for the CT knowing that, hey, I'm Caitlin Simmers. I want a CS event. Great. You wanted in Huntington Beach, a place you've competed at before. She knew that she had to delay that process of qualifying another year. She also right. denied the opportunity to compete at both events last year and at this one because she's still within the age group to compete in the junior series. She's already made it to the CT. She's finished within the top five. And that to me is the biggest difference is experience. We're seeing a lot younger surfers compete at a higher level than we did 10 or 15 years ago. Case in point, mm -hmm. Jet Schilling, he's been on the Challenger Series several years now. He was your world junior <laughs> champion. Sierra Kerr, 16 years of age. We're going to see her make it to the CT and win at least one world championship on the women's side. It's a great point. It, it, it really is. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. It was an exciting event. I can't wait to see what those kids do, you know, moving through the system. Moving By the forward. way, thanks, San Diego. Hosted us twice, two years in a row. Really appreciate yeah. you guys, City of Oceanside, and of course, Eastside Reef the year before. Uh, our second question, Dave, from at Andrews. Uh, the A is with a four. Um, what do you think about adding one leg of cold water surfing to the tour? Norway, Iceland, or et cetera? Hmm, good question. <laughs> That is a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good question because I, I think it lets us kind of talk about the intent of the championship tour, actual like the calendar design, you know, um, for sure. Like w w our business is um, it's a platform for the world's best surfing. And, and we're fortunate that we've been able to uh, you know, steward this platform in a way where we're annually determining the world champions. And we've been doing so for almost five decades, uh, be 50 years in a couple of years, uh, 76 being the first year for the organization. Um, and I think with the CT, you know, the, the designing it to have comprehensively the best performance surfers on the planet, getting the results and competing for a world title, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, they all need to be, you know, 10 events in, in Chopu right? Like that might entertain some people. It might entertain us, but it doesn't give you a, a comprehensive look at who the best performers yeah. on the planet are. You know, they want to have wave diversity. They want to have rights. They want to have lefts. They want to have beach breaks. They want to have reef breaks. They want to have point breaks, knowing that not all beach breaks are created equal. There are world-class beach breaks and there are, you know, more civilian beach breaks that you and I probably surf every day. Right. Um, but the same with water temp, you know, like it shouldn't necessarily be all board shorts and bikinis. Like you should have to put some full suits on. You should have to try different challenges and see how you can compete and how you can perform on this platform in a variety of conditions. So I really like the idea. We do have a couple of colder water events, right? If you look at, uh, you know, Panish, Panish, Bells, you know, Margaret River on occasion, Jeffrey's Bay. Um, so yeah, I think at the end of the day, having a really cold water spot like Norway or, or, or Iceland like that is intriguing. I think you'd want number one, the waves to be at a quality that, that is worthy of the CT and also reliable and consistent in a way that we can kind of plan it out. And then the second part is just, you know, are there partners that want to invest in that kind of an event and is there operational infrastructure where we can bring it to the world? Right. Yep. Um, I like the idea, but it, and it also reminds me like years ago, um, when a lot of endemic, uh, brands were trying to sponsor events, you know, in the sunshine or the warmer water and O'Neill as a brand were like, well, we make wetsuits. So we're going to do the <laughs> O'Neill cold water classic series. And they had a number of high level QS events, um, at steamer lane in Santa Cruz, which is sort of their home base and is an iconic event. But I remember like Tasmania, Scotland, Cape town. I really thought that concept was awesome. I really enjoyed all those events. I love watching you know this upcoming generation of surfers like battle it out in colder waves because for a lot of us around the world we surf cold waves so it's nice to kind of see that but you competed mitch what do you think about um you know competing in cold water uh coming from mexico yourself and then also the idea of competing in maybe really cold water with like hoods and gloves and 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 booties oh there's 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 a difference and trust me i know uh, <laughs> you know in the summertime where i'm from is as tropical as it could get, um, very humid. So you go from 
one extreme temperature to another. I remember competing at the lane in November. Um, and usually October, November, it's the change of the season right there. So it's either very beautiful or it can be extremely cold. And I had a couple of occasions where I had to compete at Steamer Lane where it was freezing. And I think you're spot on when it comes to having diversity on tour. We obviously have Bells and JB, I would say, are the two coldest locations. Margaret River's cold, but the water temperature isn't horrible. Um, I think logistically, in terms of venues, there's two major possibilities. And two of them were actually stops on that O'Neill Coldwater Classic Tour, you know, late 2000s, early 2010s. One of them is Tofino, Canada. I've been there. Mm, Very consistent wave right there at Cox Bay. You have the option right there for a beach break that is world class. It's great. Has different kinds of swells and sections on offer. And the beach is huge. So you can definitely have an event right there. Second one, and to me, I think it would be my preference, would be Thurston, Scotland. Great wave. Mm. The only bad thing about it is that it can be a little fickle. So it could be a little bit harder to actually predict a swell and get the event going there. But look, in terms of legacy history... The trophies are awesome. You're going to a place that is very well known for heavy, bigger slabs. And I think most importantly, just to be able to get a breath of fresh air on the championship tour, a get a right hander that when it's pumping is a barreling wave too. I don't know about you, Dave. I'd love to go to Scotland to have a CT event there. Yeah, I think they'd welcome, at a minimum, they'd welcome you and I in the lineup. We'd fit <laughs> right in. So, <laughs> Could happen could happen let's see and our third question dave and it comes from an esteemed colleague at dreadbot andrew nichols a <laughs> media manager for the wsn north america tour somebody that i've Good known person. for years uh, a yeah. great human being awesome journalist and he's been really through the thick and thin when it comes to seeing a lot of these young surfers qualify throughout this region here in north america this question who's going to be the biggest rookie surprise Biggest rookie surprise. Um, so it's not like a who's the rookie of the year question. Surprise is like who does everyone expect to do well and or it doesn't expect to do well and does. So if you look at the true rookie class for 2024, unless I'm missing someone, I think we've got five men, Cole Hauschman, Crosby Colapinto, Eli Hanneman, Cade Matson, and Jacob Wilcox. Mm-hmm. Two women, Sawyer Lindblad and Alyssa Spencer. Yeah. If, if I'm looking at the men, right? So Cole finished the, won the CS last year. Big, strong, goofy footer from San Clemente. It's probably not a huge surprise if he does well um, on tour. Crosby's had quite a lot of um, exposure just because of his brother. I don't think that's a huge surprise. Eli has been in the spotlight for years. Cade's probably out of that group, the more underground person. Um, but I think on the men's side, I... I uh, this is my pick for rookie of the year too. Is Jacob Wilcox? Um, I think that if you were in Australia, this isn't so much a surprise. But I think outside of Australia, in particularly outside of Western Australia, he's not as well known. But he's a longtime Rip Curl team rider. He's a longtime um, DHD team rider. He's someone who I think is performed out at pipeline he's charged out in western australia he's got a great rail game he's an excellent tube rider um and i think he could just do it all so so i think jacob's going to make a name for himself and it wouldn't shock me if he started right away in hawaii and then geez on the women's side you know sawyer and Alyssa, it's a Difficult question. I've seen them both serve so, so well. So I, I don't know if either one of them would be a surprise, but they're both so young. So it might just be one of those things that if they are performing, getting results, it'll be really impressive just because they are younger. I don't know. What do you think, Mitch? You, you're pretty close to this crop of um, rookies. You know, it's tough because I was actually going to go Wilcox on the men's side, too. Um, <laughs> I honestly think he qualified at the right time, too. He's been so close for right. a number of years now. But in terms of his age, in his mid-20s now, your body fully develops. You're understanding your body and your equipment a lot more. You've been traveling around the world with a lot more maturity than you had in your late teens, early 20s. And I think most importantly, he's gotten to know a lot of the venues that he will be competing at because he's been a wild card over 10 times on the CT. Um, Portugal, Bells, Margaret River, three locations that can be very difficult, especially Bells Beach. 
And then you mentioned him being from West Oz. Yeah, the kid charges. I mean, I'm not right. know, I'm not going to be surprised to see him really pack a couple of big closeouts if he needs to at pipe. And at Sunset Beach, watch out. That backhand that he has is just deadly. Um, so kind of the one guy that's always flying under the radar, he just hasn't had like that mo- one major win. And I think that's why a lot of people still don't get his name to be the one right. all the way at the pinnacle at the very top. Matson, kind of the underrated guy when it comes to that crew. I feel like he should also have, have a breakout. I still feel like the guy to watch is Cole, though. Has a lot to prove. Doesn't want to be hmm. known as a fluke. And on the women's side, right. that's a toss-up between the two. Very evenly skilled. Um, Sawyer, hmm. a few years younger than Alyssa. They both grew up through the same rankings and the same amateur programs. I think when it comes to ferocity, I'd probably go Sawyer. When it comes to consistency and being level-headed, I'd probably give the edge to Alyssa. So... I think to me, patience goes a long way. I'm going to go with Alyssa Spencer with the bigger rookie surprise on the women's side. It's a good breakdown. I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you brought up the wild card, um, CT wild card experience for Jacob as well, because you're right. Like, and, and I think similar to what we were saying with the world juniors, like any experience that you have at the level you're heading into is such an advantage. And in addition to all of his talents and, and, and his sort of performance bona fides, like he really strikes me as someone that Rip Crow modeled a little bit after Owen Wright. Yeah. Like he's a few years older, but same program with him, like preternaturally talented, goofy footer, good in all conditions, gave him a lot of opportunities as a CT wildcard before he qualified. And then once he qualified, we all saw what kind of damage he did there. He was incredible and kind of a perennial, not only event, threat but but title contender um so i i think that i think that goes a long way with with wilcox as well it'll be exciting yeah i'm dude, i'm excited for this year emi's back you got eli qualifying back, which right. you know everybody thought was going to happen you have the, all the san clemente kids the women sawyer Alyssa, and there's people that have something to prove too john john right. he wants to win I know he's been very vocal about not wanting the finals at lower trestles. Guess what? You got to go through the big dogs. And the only way that I feel like he has the be- the best chance of winning is be- he's the number one seed. Leo, who had an incredible year in 2023. Jack Robinson had his first kid. He really has a lot more extra motivation on his plate. And let's not forget about our favorite goofy footer on tour right now. Yagodora won his first CT event. <laughs> I feel like he's going to be a top five surfer at the end of the year too. That's such a good point. You know, we've got two-time world champion Felipe Toledo. You've got Caroline Marks. You've got Carissa Moore, Tyler Wright. You, you've got John, you've got Gabe. So even while we're getting excited about the incoming rookie class or some of these younger faces coming up through the system, we're also in a place where we have a ton of elite level talent, a ton of world champions who maybe weren't even in the finals last year. So I do think we just have this awesome concentration of talent and I think we're going to be in for a show in, in 2024. So it's really exciting. Mitch, I'm so glad you're back um, on the lineup. Um, So fun to hang and talk surfing and uh, yeah, man, look forward to doing it real soon. Thanks to everyone who wrote in questions at the lineup pod on Instagram. If we didn't get to yours, we will try to do it on DM. If we don't get to it, please remind us. We do try to answer everybody, but yeah, everyone get your fantasy teams locked in for the year, get your uh, calendar set because the world's best surfers will be back very, very soon for the opening stop of the season the lexus pipe pro presented by yeti mitch we will be talking really soon yeah dave you so that's it that's the lineups conversation with myself and mitch salazar i hope you enjoyed it the 2024 wsl championship tour season is kicking off on january 29th with the lexus pipe pro presented by yeti the event will stream live on worldsurfleague.com and the wsl app do not miss it. Today's episode is executive produced by Jed Pearson, Tim Greenberg, and myself, produced by Miguel Clemente, with art direction by Jason Penning and copywriting by Dan Willen. Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges that is recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, the Kumeye, and the Wanenyo native people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are, and we'll see you next Tuesday. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. 
We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. 